Hello, it's Vance with VegCast 58. VegCast. Coming at you with another full menu on your plate. VegCast. A full menu from first to last. VegCast. I suppose I should have said on our plate, but then again, our plate is your plate when it comes to the vegetarian podcastry that is every episode of VegCast, and this is no exception here on VegCast 58. We are going to be talking to the man who runs the U.S. division of the first vegetarian fast food chain to take root in the United States, to my knowledge, Uh, and that is Mal's Vegetarian. We have two of them here in Philadelphia. The first one in the country was actually here in Philadelphia, and we'll be uh, talking to Yair about that. Uh, we also are going to go back to Australia for some more great vegan music. There are just uh, so many great vegan musos uh, down there that Christina Louise Dicker has introduced us to. So we're going to hear a track from a new artist, new to us, Rosie Burgess. That will also be coming up. And then on our science fact, we have kind of an interesting one from the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, who say that one in 200 American children are vegetarian. But we'll be looking at uh, some interesting uh, context on that number. And uh, that's all coming up along with some other stuff here. So please sit back, relax as we deliver this 58th edition of Okay, before we get to our interview about Mal's Vegetarian, a little news item that I wanted to share with you. I thought of uh, trying to spin this into a science fact, but the news is uh, really more about a set of guidelines than a particular scientific study. And that is uh, the news that hospitals in uh, the United Kingdom are set to take meat off menus in bid to cut carbon, according to the Guardian newspaper. Meat-free menus are to be promoted in hospitals as part of a strategy to cut global warming emissions across the National Health Service. Uh, This is uh, from a set of guidelines that Britain's National Health Service put out uh, called Saving Carbon, Improving Health, and it has various uh, different recommendations. Uh, These are not mandatory as far as I can tell, but uh, one of those is uh, the suggestion that hospitals could cut carbon emissions from food and drink by offering fewer meat and dairy products. And uh, the article goes on to mention, uh, of course, the link between livestock and Uh, carbon uh, emissions, uh, greenhouse gas emissions, and so forth. Also mentions uh, the United Nations climate chief having uh, said that having a meat-free day every week was the biggest single contribution people could make to curbing climate change in their personal lives. And I was not aware of this little tidbit uh, that last week uh, the German Federal Environment Agency advised Germans to eat meat only on special occasions to go back to their pre-war eating patterns. And again, this is all uh, on the basis of curbing climate change. But of course, for hospitals, it really does kind of make sense to take uh, something off the menu that really has no nutritional value that cannot be provided by other 
food products and does, unlike those products, have several problems in terms of disease triggers and complicating factors for people who are trying to uh, get their bodies to uh, recover as quickly as possible for from what is uh, often a traumatic situation for the body uh, in terms of surgeries and uh, recovering from disease and so forth. So uh, that's just an interesting thing. I don't know that there is going to be any action in uh, the states over on this side of the proverbial pond, but I am trying to find that out uh, at least locally. And uh, if nothing else, though, having a national organization, even uh, in England, make uh, this uh, very explicit link and even make uh, the suggestion that these hospitals uh, do something about it, whether or not it is backed by any uh, regulatory power is still a big move, and I think we're going to see some fallout from that uh, on down the road. So we will, of course, be watching that and bringing you that news if and when it occurs right here on VegCast, the Veggie Podcast. And here on VegCast, we are now going to turn to our interview with Yair Marinoff of Mal's Vegetarian. Let's hear that now. Okay, right now on VegCast, we are pleased to have Yer Marinoff of Mal's Vegetarian with us. Uh, Yer, welcome to VegCast. Hi, how are you? I'm pretty well, thanks. And you are, uh, you're in charge of Mal's USA, is that right? Yes, yes, I, am, uh, I run the U.S. operation. And let's, uh, let's just be sure everybody understands what Mal's is. It's a, it's a vegetarian uh, restaurant, uh, kind of a fast food uh, chain that specializes in falafel, basically, and it's... Yes, uh, exactly. This concept started in Amsterdam mm-hmm. uh, back in 1991 okay. and started to spread out in Europe. And actually, the first restaurant in the United States was opened in, in Philadelphia in 2005 in South Street, uh-huh. followed by the first one in New York in Union Square. All right, great. And today we have um, six restaurants, uh, two in New York, two in Philadelphia. The second one on Walnut was opened in, um, at the beginning of 2008. Right. And uh, we have another one in Boca Raton uh, that was just opened recently. And we're doing right now one in Washington, D.C., and one in San Francisco. Great. So that was uh, my next question is uh, how you're planning to, uh, to expand the U.S. operation. And it does seem like uh, you're, you're getting constantly into more cities there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're very excited about the response that, um, you know, we're getting here. Uh, the New York stores are, are amazing, and uh, we're actually planning to do another two here next year. And um, um, we're very excited about the uh, the concept and about um, you know the, the the response that we're getting from the customers and from everyone about the product, about the design, about everything that has to do with our um, concept. Right, and the concept is, I mean, it's it's uh, you know falafel is obviously the core of it, but part of the appeal is that you have all these fixins. You have like a fixins bar that you can uh, dress up your own sandwich. Uh, exactly. We have a uh, complimentary salad bar, mm-hmm. bosses, which you can choose uh, and, and create your combination each time with you know different salads and sauces. Everything is made fresh every morning. We are uh, almost vegan in a way that, except for uh, two sauces and one salad, um, most of the salad bar is considered uh, vegan. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, we bake our own pitas. We do white and uh, whole wheat pitas um, at, in our restaurants. We also do um, uh, fresh-squeezed juices uh, that you can add and uh, Belgian fries, and, and we're planning to add um, um, dessert very soon. And, and we also started um, breakfast in one of their restaurants in New York, so it's, it's very exciting. 
And so just let me uh, follow up on the vegan question because there was uh, a while back some question that some people had uh, about whether some of the falafel in some restaurants, I think it was maybe South Street Philly, had some kind of breadcrumbs in it that, that were not vegan, and then uh, it's... No, no, no. Like, All of uh, we, We're using the same recipe, and everything is vegan. Yeah. We're not using any kind of... Um, um, that was some kind of a misunderstanding with one of the employees there. Right. Uh, but I can assure you that there's no uh, bread or anything um, um, that has to do with uh, vegan in the, in the falafel. So, I mean, you have a couple of sauces that, uh, you know, people can opt to add that are not I, vegan, but but your core product is vegan, and uh, exactly. you know, vegans can f- be comfortable coming in there and eating. I want to be be sure to get that uh, get that out there because we do have uh, uh, quite a few vegan listeners out there. So um, basically, let me just ask. I, I know you probably weren't there at the inception in 1991, but what what was the concept that uh, you know there there was a need for a, a strictly vegetarian kind of uh, restaurant that was going to specialize in just this very narrow uh, kind of aspect? I mean, um, well, it's, it's, almost... it's interesting. They were, uh, this concept was uh, started by two Israeli brothers uh-huh. uh, that have been living since then in Amsterdam, and they, they wanted to introduce the falafel to the uh, Dutch people. Uh-huh. And they started with a regular falafel shop, and um, during the time when it started to expand, they realized that they're getting a lot of vegetarian people there. Okay, and and this is how they decided to uh, concentrate in the niche of the vegetarian, um, and and you know together with introducing the falafel. Uh huh. And so um, and I assume that the brother's name was Mao's. Is that where the name comes from? No, or? no. We no? do not have any uh, interesting uh, story <laughs> behind the name. Well, uh, but you know at least it's uh, well, it's just original. <laughs> your first your first three letters of that happen to correspond to a famous uh, Chinese dictator. So I'm wondering. You know, there may be a lot of people out there that uh, who are not vegetarian and who say, "Oh, that's probably one of those you know <laughs> no, red no. We, socialist we commie kind of stories." No, it's the story behind the name. No, that is the first thing that they came up with. Okay, back in the '90s, and uh, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is Mao, but it does so. It doesn't have anything to do with Chairman Mao. Then we can. No, no. We can. Uh, I don't want to disappoint uh, the Chinese people, but. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know how many of them uh, would be disappointed today if they were here. Um, is there, since you mentioned the Chinese people, uh, outside of the U.S., is there, do you happen to know, I know that this is a little outside of your purview, but do you have, happen to know whether there is going to be any push outside of uh, outside of Europe? And uh, I think you're in Australia, too. Is yeah. that right? Is there any other? Um, we're, we're getting a lot of applications from, I think that we, we got applications from all over the world. Um, mm-hmm. So I I don't really know exactly where would be if there's going to be something in the far east, um, but we're definitely open to get any suggestions and any you know candidates and and operators that would want to um, um, help us you know to expand. Right. So it's a franchise operation. People uh, basically start right. up their own restaurants uh, using your products and ad- adhering to your uh, your processes. For yes, them, right? uh, we provide the training and support and. and a lot of services of, of you know of designing and building and, and helping them, but yeah, it is franchise. And let me just ask: Do you see uh, you know a, a larger market growing for vegetarian like fast food restaurants in general, or do you think that it's something where Mal's happened to hit a particular niche with this particular kind of vegetarian food 
that no, I uh, think that there's a lot of uh, awareness to this uh, subject right now. A lot of people are concerned about um, health conscious issues, and um, especially in the West Coast, by the way, we get a lot of applications from the West Coast, mm-hmm. uh, from people that bump into one of our uh, restaurants, either in Europe or in the U.S., and uh, they feel that there is a demand for um, um, a quick-service vegetarian um, uh, chain, right. um, and, and which is going to be a, a, an alternative to all the other things that you can you know, that they, they ate until now, and, and it's not as healthy as, as what we offer. Right. And so, I mean, yeah, for example, Subway is, has positioned themselves as the uh, so-called healthy fast food chain, but, uh, you know, part of their health thing is, you know, a sandwich stacked with cold cuts, uh, which right. is not, uh, you know, necessarily <laughs> going to be the healthy. No, falafel is very healthy, you know. It's made right. out of chickpeas, right. a lot of vitamins, uh, all the salads that we do and sauces are, are, you know, made every morning from scratch. Um, so we do feel that, um, we, you know, we do offer a, a unique and, and different and a healthier right. option. And can you just, uh, for our listeners that have never been in a Mao's and seen, you know, what all the options are, can you just quickly run down what, what there is, you know, to put on your falafel? You mean what we have in the, well, we, we have a few options. First of all, you, have, you can do an add-on. Right. Uh, and you can have, uh, you know, hummus, um, um, avocado, feta, mm-hmm. uh, eggplant, and things that you can add um, to the falafel and the lettuce. Right. And then you'll get the salad bar, and, and there's a variety of uh, 11 to 12 sauces and salads, including um, cauliflower and fish, um, vegetable salad. We do a tabula salad, um, carrot, coleslaw, cabbage. Uh, we do have uh, a nice variety of sauces, as tahini sauce, yogurt sauce, what we call tzatziki, um, and uh, we have a cilantro sauce, spicy, um, salsa, um, it's, it's a lot of goodies. Right, okay. And let me just ask, uh, in terms of you expanding within the USA, I mean, you're, you're going to be uh, overseeing that, I'm sure, and... Uh, when you make uh, decisions, you know, that a store should open, is it more based on this individual operator has a good uh, sense of this place and we're, you know, we trust them, or is it more a regional kind of outlook, like we we feel like there's a uh, a real need in this area, and if only we can find somebody to do it, we'll get a store open there? Yeah, we, 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 we approve all the sites, mm-hmm. uh, and we have, you know, a chain architect and designers, and so eventually, yeah, when we... Um, we decided to concentrate in, in big cities. Um, when you get you can get heavy foot traffic. Um, we always get a lot of students. Like here in New York, one of the restaurants is, is near NYU. Right. Um, we're trying to get multiple rushes. You know, uh, office crowd with a mix of you know nightlife, students, tourists. Um, uh, you know, uh, um, a lot of vegetarian and and, and you know um, um, communities that know what the, our product is. So I would say that it's a mix of, of a few different factors. Okay. And uh, in terms of letting everybody know about Mal's, obviously, uh, we're getting the word out on VegCast. Any plans for uh, that we're going to be seeing Mal's TV commercials coming soon? Or uh, No, anymore? I don't think so. In the meantime, we're, we're only doing local marketing. Uh, when, when we're going to have you know, uh, more restaurants, then it's going to make sense to do a national campaign. Uh-huh. Okay, well, we'll wait till that point. And let me just ask before I let you go, uh, any chance that we'll see another Philly store anytime soon? Uh, yeah, maybe we um, we just opened a store in um, uh, in the mall in uh, Boca Raton, uh-huh. and uh, that, over there it's in a food court and, and in one of the Simon malls. And um, the response there is amazing, and they're doing very well. 
So we're actually thinking of maybe doing something and and uh, expanding into the mall segment as well. Right. Okay. Sounds great, and uh, I wish you the best. And it seems uh, like a, a, an idea that whose time has come, and uh, I, it's always speaking as somebody who lives in Philly and has had to think where I could go and grab a bite, uh, being able to go to Mao's and get uh, a nice filling meal and also have uh, be able to express my creativity and dressing it up. I think it's uh, it's been great, and I appreciate you taking some time Thank out. you so much, and uh, I hope that you know we're going to get uh, more people that are going to eat in Mao's instead of the chili cheesesteak. All right. <laughs> well, we can, we can always hope. We're slowly weaning them off of that, very slowly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always, every time that in Philadelphia... Uh, the one that is on South Street, yeah. on the corner, is, is amazing. That's an amazing concept. It is, and uh, I recommend it's an institute. It. It's, it's uh, unbelievable. Yep, people should check that out. And if there are anywhere else that there's a mouse, check that out. And if if there isn't, why maybe you should look into to, uh, franchising your own and give uh, <laughs> Mr. Marinoff a call. All right, uh, Yara Marinoff, thanks for joining us on. Thank you so much, guys. And right. Have a nice day. Thank you.
the fight Buy yourself some time and stop eating meat Buy yourself some time and buy some for me Please stop Stomping around on fragile ground There's much to be said for a gentle tread You're walking the walk and you're talking the talk But your words are just empty there Nothing but air with things stomping Rosie Burgess, a singer-songwriter from Australia, from the Melbourne area, and another of the vegetarian musos, as she puts it, that Christina Louise Dicker has introduced to VegCast and to VegCast's listeners. We're going to have to get another track from uh, Christina on here at some point, but I have to say uh, she certainly has a good ear for quality music, and uh, Rosie Burgess is another quality act. That song, Stomping Around, is from her album Humble Pie, and uh, we will have links to her main site and her MySpace page in our show notes, so if you like that, uh, go and check it out. Check out some more of Rosie Burgess, but not before you listen to this science Our science fact for VegCast 58 is from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and it is summarized in an article by the Associated Press headlined First U.S. Count Finds One in 200 Kids Are Vegetarian So that would seem to be our science fact. One in 200 kids uh, are a vegetarian. Um, However, Jack Norris uh, on his page did a kind of drill down into this and found it's a little bit specious. So we're going to uh, take a look at that. This, uh, This was not actually a study that the CDC did on the number of vegetarian children. It's just one data point. Uh, from a survey, the National Health Interview Survey, uh, looking at the use of complementary and alternative medicine by adults and children in the USA in 2007. And it comes from two questions, and the questions were worded this way. During the past 12 months, did your child use any of the following special diets for two weeks or more for health reasons? Please say yes or no to each, and vegetarian was one of those options. And the other question is, during the past 12 months, did your child use a vegetarian diet to treat a specific health problem or condition other than weight control or weight loss? Uh, Those are the two questions that, uh, from which they drew this conclusion. And you may have noticed that both of those questions specify uh, that the vegetarianism was for health reasons. In fact, one of them 
saying that it was to, to treat a specific health problem, not even that the child wanted to be vegetarian just because it confers good health benefits. So any family who's filling out this survey who has a child who uh, is vegetarian because they don't want to kill animals, uh, if they answered truthfully, would answer no to that question. On the other hand, of course, a, another confounding factor is that this only uh, refers to your child having been vegetarian for uh, for two weeks or more or having used a vegetarian diet. So that, we would think they may be overcounted if, uh, you know, somebody was vegetarian for two weeks and gave it up and uh, or they just uh, used it at one point to treat a specific health problem and then, boom, they, they got better and went back. Uh, to eating meat or whatever. Um, so my main point about this particular science fact is it's not very useful, not very factual. However, uh, the number, I would think the amount of overcounting based on children uh, who used a vegetarian diet temporarily, uh, my gut tells me that that's going to be less than the number that's undercounted uh, because of the many, many children who go vegetarian specifically for ethical reasons or, I guess, for sentimental reasons because they're just children and they, they can't obviously understand the complexities involved in the ethical issues around this, but they don't want to kill animals. Um, in seriousness, uh, there are a large number of children going vegetarian, and uh, of course, a lot of them are going to be older children and teens, uh, even older teens, people who are you know, basically taking control of their life. It's very, very difficult for young children to uh, make a lifestyle change like that because they, it requires very accommodating parents. And uh, so that number, it's not really surprising if there were just 1 in 200, but I have a feeling that it may be larger than that. And so I'm going to end with a call uh, with a request that uh, anyone out there in the data mining industry or in the survey uh, industry get on this and let's have a credible government survey, government-sponsored survey that uh, is going to try to nail down how many people are going vegetarian and how many kids because anecdotally it certainly seems that there, uh, there are a large number and that it is growing, and certainly in terms of the market share for vegetarian products, that's growing, but we don't know how many people who are buying those are literally vegetarian or vegan. So it would be very useful to have that information, and you can bet that once we have it nailed down scientifically, we will bring it to you right here on the Science Fact. Okay, before we get out of here, just a little quick note for our Philly area listeners. If you remember Maria Pandolfi, the rat chick from VegCast 45, she is hosting a uh, vegan beer dinner at the South Philly Tap Room. That is going to be on February 15th at 6 p.m. Your dinner, your beer, your tip, your gratuities are all included for $45. You can get... More info on that at www.ratchickratrescue.com. All right, that is going to do it for VegCast 58. I know there were a few weeks there in between uh, 57 and 58. 
Uh, even though we did have two in the month of January, we will be back a little sooner with VegCast 59. In fact, before that vegan beer dinner that I just mentioned, the fundraiser for Rat Chick Rat Rescue, I want to thank Yair Marinoff of Mouse Vegetarian for joining us on this podcast. Of course, I want to thank Rosie Burgess and Christina Louise Dicker. And in fact, all of Australia, which right now is our largest foreign market for VegCast. And until next time, please get out there and live like you mean it. <laughs>